0: Hi everybody, welcome to KBD Radio and more importantly welcome to the very first episode of KBD Radio, the audio little sister of kitchen and bath design news. This is a podcast about the kitchen and bath industry for kitchen and bath professionals. You can join us here twice a month while we commiserate about all the great moments, little headaches, and weird happenings that come with working in the most personal of residential spaces. I'm your host, Autumn Magar. If you frequent KBiz or Design Chicago, you might have encountered me. I'm that one KBDN editor with the weird hairdo. So this week, I'm so excited to welcome designer Mary Jo Peterson to the podcast. Uh, Mary Jo started her firm, Mary Jo Peterson Inc. in 1993, and she's been one of the go-to experts for universal design and living in place since before it was cool. She literally wrote the book on the subject, uh, three of them, in fact. She is a respected speaker and educator, an NKBA Hall of Famer, a KBDN innovator and columnist, an award-winning designer, and honestly just an all-around lovely person to talk to. Mary Jo, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Uh, First of all, I think I have to apologize to both you and our listeners for the amount of background noise which you might hear, which is coming from some roof work. I suppose it's not totally inappropriate for this podcast, but still, I am So happy to be talking with you today.
1: (laughs) What a coincidence that you could be doing this with, with roof work in the background.
0: It's for Atmosphere.
1: And thank you. Thank you for choosing me to be part of your inaugural blog. I feel honored and happy to be part of this.
0: Oh, likewise. I'm so glad that you've agreed to chat with me. So I guess to get started, what I'd really love is a Cliff's Notes intro to yourself and your involvement in the kitchen and bath industry. Like, what do you think is the most important things for us to know about your career?
1: So, just a quick history. I started in this industry in the '80s, and uh, working in a showroom as a designer. Uh, my education had design included in it but i was working in education so when i came into a design showroom i actually went to um i actually was hired by a designer who i went to to have my own kitchen done
0: interesting i walked
1: into a showroom that i thought was the best in our in our state, in the state of Connecticut, and I went to work with this designer. And as the as the project went along, she said, "You know, you really should be doing this yourself." And I said, "Oh, don't be silly!" And <laughs> then, you know, and then it went on from there. So that was that. That was my start in the business. I stayed in a showroom for a few years, and then. In the early 90s, I started my own business, um, and and my work has been my clients have been certainly private clients, but also trade, um, you know, all the professions in our within our trade circle. Um, much of my work, once I started my own business, was with builders, and, and continues to be mm-hmm. with builders, builders and remodelers. Still private clients, but also, also manufacturers. Um, you know, helping to present product or helping to, sometimes helping to design, but also to sell the, market the product because of the turn that I took when I started my own business into focusing on things that re- relate to universal design.
0: That's so interesting. You walked in for a kitchen and you came out with a job.
1: That's right. Well, it wasn't <laughs> quite that direct, but it was, you know, it took a few months, but, but and it, the the wonderful thing about that is that when we start in this industry, regardless of what formal training we have or don't have, it is our on the job, getting our hands dirty training that teaches us what we need to know to be able to go forward and be a good designer. You know, you can you right. can learn the the details, um the, you can write a primer on how to do this, but that's not the same thing as actually having experiencing it. Right so you know, it's a, it's a, it's an on-the-job training kind of a field of work, I think.
0: Uh, what was your first kitchen or bath project that you can remember other than your own? Um, and what do you so, think that kind of taught you in the school of hard knocks?
1: Oh, I think I've been pretty lucky. I honestly believe that a lot of my work and my career has developed and evolved because of me being interested and in hopefully having the right energy hopefully some talent but mainly because I was in the right place at the right time sure uh, my the, I, my very first kitchen that I did on my own I did for dear friends and I actually did they were building a new home so I did oh gosh I don't know multiple bathrooms and in planning the kitchen it was a very open plan so I I did the space planning for their first floor, so that was a pretty major project as a newbie. Uh, you know, that was a seriously overwhelming project, but it was dear sure. friends. So, you know, I had the I had the cushion of that. They loved me anyway, right? You know? <laughs> so I and and happily, that kitchen continues. Gosh, this many years later, it has the original Sub Zero refrigerator in it. They have replaced parts, but that refrigerator still. Is humming along. Oh wow! It, I know <laughs> most everything else has been replaced, but that refrigerator, uh, the Sub-Zero refrigerator, and um, St. Charles cabinetry, um, and they continue to this day to look good. It's a good kitchen.
0: That's a good sign. What do you think? Uh, what do you think draws you above all of the other rooms in the house to the kitchen and the bath?
1: Oh, well, I think it's because there's such high-function rooms. You sure. know, we walk into uh, other spaces and we sit on something, we lay on something, we watch something. But in the kitchen and in the bathroom, we are actively participating with whatever is in that room. You know, we're we're engaged with whatever is in that room. Right. And so um, it, it's, it's much more precise. We have to be much more precise, I think. You know, you get a couch, it fits in a living room. Now, there are people who would probably challenge me on this, but (laughs) but it fits in the living room. It looks good. Gee, it's a little bit bigger. It's about a foot bigger than the old one. But in fact, we can sort of arrange things and kind of fudge it. And and it works well. You can't do that in the kitchen or the bathroom. Everything is exact and precise, and it's a functional piece of equipment, not just an aesthetic. Right. I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of functional design, you're very involved in universal design and uh, aging in Mm -hmm. place. And how have you seen certainly this part of the industry grow and change over the course of your career, but also how has your understanding of what universal design changed since you first began working in the industry?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, when I started... uh It's sort of worth mentioning. I went to NKBA and said, you know, there's this stuff called accessibility and universal design, and we need to know more about it. And NKBA said, well, let us get back to you. And about a week or two later, they called me and they said, you're right, we do need to know more about that, and we want you to do it. Oh, wow. So. Uh, I was not expert. I was looking to learn, but I think I was the first one to ask the question. So, again, being in the right place at the right time. But NKBA supported me in getting some, uh, some education, spending some time with some of the people who were really the experts. Ron Mace, uh, you know, called the father of universal design. Mm-hmm. SUNY Buffalo, uh, where, the, center, where their, the idea center is home-based. Um, wonderful opportunity. I could bring what I knew about kitchens and baths, which to the architects involved in this seemed like a lot Mm -hmm. because they weren't experts at at kitchens and baths, and they brought to me better understanding about um, how things work, you know, relating to access and space planning. So it was a great combination. But when I tried to introduce this then into the kitchen and bath industry, it started out with people sort of, Hadding me on, well, first thing, universal design. So, what is that exactly? And, you know, there are mm-hmm. still some people who say that. Um, but, what is that exactly? And I'd, I'd explain, you know, we're trying to design spaces that are more supportive of all people, you right. know, with respect to differences. It's not just access to a particular disability, but improved spaces. Overall, and people would pat me on the head and pinch my cheek and say, "That's you're a very nice girl to do that. You take care of those special people,
0: oh, and we're
1: going and we're going to design for the rest of the world. Yes. you know, so and that that's where we were now that was maybe thirty years ago. So if we if we just go by decades, if we come come up ten years from that, and builders were beginning to say, uh, builders, designers have a better appreciation for. Um, the unique needs of each client so it wasn't as difficult for a designer to understand um, but builders were beginning to say you know I think I get what that is I'm not sure if I know but we have to have it sure I know we have to have it so it was a wonderful time in, in the development of my business um, GE Appliances was way out ahead of everybody else in their interest in this and they were offering Information regarding to universal design and universal design assistance to their builders as sort of a value added. So that was a things were changing. Um, it was it was a kitchen called the Real Life Design Kitchen, which I designed back then, and they brought it to the builders show. It had an elevated dishwasher, not necessarily the only or best thing one can do in universal design, but one way that it can sometimes. Access can sometimes be improved. So, so we had this raised dishwasher, and over and over, the builders would walk into the kitchen and say, "Oh, look at that dishwasher! You can't do that. You can't. I mean, the dishwasher (laughs) is off the floor. You can't do that." Oh, and we had a sink that moved up and down in that kitchen. They would take a look at that and say, "Well, you know, what is all this?" And then they'd try it. Many being taller, and say, and would say, "Oh, I get it." it just feels better it works better you know and that right. is truly what universal design is that i don't know what this is or why it's happening i can't i'm not sure i understand but oh hey <laughs> you know that aha moment of oh gee it works
0: yeah this just makes it everything a little for easier me.
1: yeah yeah it it sort of brings us all together it makes a space work for you know my husband who might be 6'4" and and the same space work for me at 5'4" so
0: right just designing yeah. for all bodies and all Right.
1: Well, so that so that was so that's let's say that's twenty years ago. Then ten years ago, education had been introduced on more levels, not just on the, um, uh, not just on such a high formal level, but within the trade organizations. Mm -hmm. Certainly, there was a class on universal kitchen design and one on universal bath design that NKBA and I did together this was this included a book on each space so there was there was that information um within the builders association the caps program which earned great and fast recognition um, certified aging in place specialist uh, all were steps in the right direction and they were spread and it was spreading the word within the industry at the same time we had the age boom happening and so people were reaching the Mm -hmm. baby boomers we were reaching a point where some of these things that were out there for those special people that I was taking care of became kind of important to every man, you know, right. not just those special people. So there was a lot changing and people became much more aware and and uh, talked a good talk. But it continued to be something that people looked at as, although we called it universal design, um, people talked about design for just, uh, uh, the special people, right? And just relating to access, not improved design that is improves access in general, so that a variety of people can use the space. Not that so much as, oh, you mean that uh, that that ADA design, or you know, in our. In our um, model homes, we have 17 homes, and one of them is a universal design home, right. which is totally the wrong concept. The concept for universal design is that we work in the details and design features that we can, wherever we can. So so it was moving in the right direction. And today it truly is embraced by most people. In, in fact, there is a, a newer program that is having great success um, it's called CLIP, Certified Living in Place. Yes. And, and the emphasis on living as opposed to aging is to help us remember that, that this is supposed to be design that improves the use of space, the interaction between space and products and the people using that space and those products, um, to just improve that interaction in general you know, just to mm-hmm. sort of drive that home. What I need at age 80 is not so different from what I need at age four. You know, right. my coordination, my dexterity, where I can reach, my balance. Some of those things are very similar. So it's really not just about what changes occur as we advance in aging, but all through life. So, Anyway, that's, uh, that's certainly, you can tell I could talk about that all day. but But today, I think people... Are much more comfortable with it. You know, we still mm-hmm. have some resistance, but it did. I see it as really going away. I used to say that if I could ever get um, the builders and developers that I worked with to embrace the concept of a no threshold um, shower, that I could retire. And today, a no threshold shower is a beautiful option you know it's sort of a european approach to that design and and we love it for all kinds of reasons but p.s. it is also improved access and that's just uh great news that's sort of that uh, you know one of the things we say about ud is that when it has really reached its pinnacle it's um, uh, it's total acceptance we won't even need to talk about it it will be just good design you know
0: The standard practice at some point, you think? So I got to imagine you've seen kind of the conversation with clients changing uh, in regards to the difference between, you know, the concept of, quote, aging in place and universal design or living in place. How have you seen kind of those conversations change? Are people becoming less sensitive to that topic, do you think?
1: Certainly less sensitive, still sensitive, but certainly less so. Um, it's easier to talk with uh, a middle-aged, a 40 to 50-year-old, and say, uh, yes, well, when you design this space, you know, it would be good if instead of that step, we could plan a sloped walkway here, you know, uh, right. for all the different people in your family. Uh, and. If I say, it's because, you know, when your parents are visiting, isn't it nice if they don't have to go up and down a step? And when you're rolling the stroller for the kids, Mm -hmm. again, easier. When we're not saying you have a special need or your needs have changed, uh, then people are much more comfortable still. That's still true. But, But in fact, again, the baby boomers, you know, we baby boomers want things the way we want them. We want to be able to function at a very high level just like we always have in spite of the fact that our bodies are aging. And so as a result, we, we don't run away from things anymore. We, it's sort of becoming state-of-the-art. Right. You know, it, instead of being something that you don't want anybody to notice, it's, it's like come into my bathroom and take a look at the seat that I have built <laughs> into the tub. It's really comfortable. Right. You know, and I get to sit down while I shower. And, and I can have steam in here now, too. You know, it, it gets mixed in with uh, it's, it sort of earn some bragging rights not yeah. you know this is not we're not all the way there but we are very 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 much improved from where we used to be
0: it seems like it's a more empathetic way for both not only for the designer but for the client to approach their concept of what their home could be that's like, right like they're constantly thinking of others
1: it it's that is another really great example that as a feature um what features we have that incorporate universal design can be selling points and increase the value of a piece of real estate now the home is a piece of real estate now whereas there was a time in the past when we might people might say to me oh I would do that but I'm afraid it will uh, reduce the value of my property when I'm ready to sell in fact many of the um, you know production builders will use universal design as one of their unique selling premises one of their marketing tools look at our Our community, it's like others, but it's better. It has universal design.
0: Right. There's less stigma and and even, you know, unfortunately, shame attached to, you know, constructing for mobility needs later on down the road or currently. Absolutely right. One other thing I was going to ask, actually, was, you know, in your capacity as uh, as a designer who often does univer- not only often but frequently does universal design and uh is such an experienced designers i gotta imagine you've sometimes received requests for very specific elements incorporated, so I guess I was just wondering what's one of the more unique requests you've ever had to accommodate into a project?
1: so do you want a kitchen or a bathroom both <laughs> <laughs> so the the kitchen, I think my own kitchen probably is, is one of the best stories. Back when I was the client and my good friend and excellent designer, Lori Cavanaugh, mm-hmm. was the person I went to to have my kitchen designed, one of my needs was that I had to have a doggy door somewhere, hidden somewhere in the kitchen. Uh-huh. And under my sink in that kitchen, we created a doggy door. So the space under the sink was used for the dog to go through to um, his pen outside oh that's so
0: cute
1: it was well it's a little unusual though so that was pretty strange but i think for me probably um i had a bathroom when i started working i was in west hartford connecticut beautiful Mm -hmm. homes with lots of character uh lots of homes from the early uh 20th century you know 1920s 30s in there and uh in these old homes we'd be redesigning bathrooms on second floors all kinds of issues with that because of in that era the bathroom the master bedroom had a bathroom but it was the size of a closet and right. teeny tiny and of course today our master bath is you know like a palace yeah. so we were trying to find ways to change all that and and trying to make things very personalized and i had one couple when we were changing things and we talked about the heights of the vanities. Where would you like the height of your vanity to be? And he, her vanity was at a, I don't remember what height, but something fairly regular. Um, and then he said, but my vanity, I want my vanity to be about four feet. And we, he said, we'll measure and, and make sure just what it is. He said, on those days when I get up and I have had too much to drink the night before, <laughs> I want to be able to rest my chin on the edge of my vanity and shave. So we did that. I mean, we—that that is actually what we did. We did one high vanity. We actually put a sink up high in the, in the shower. Oh,
0: my God. And that's
1: how that worked out.
0: Just so that when he was hungover, he could rest his chin somewhere to shave. That's right. That's right. I love but that.
1: What can I tell you? This, this is very individualized. Clients can be the best at helping us to understand exactly what they want if we just listen.
0: What would you say is the most unique project you've ever completed?
1: A unique project that I had, one of the one of the more amazing projects in my career. I grew up in Minnesota, and General Mills is home base there. Betty Crocker's kitchens are there. I visited them when I was in school myself. And when they mm-hmm. were redesigned, I was hired to be part of the team and the part of the team that did the design work for the kitchens. This was so amazing for me because I had long since moved from Minnesota, but my family is still there. So they came to appreciate that I really was doing something. Being the baby of the family was hard for them to recognize. Still, is hard for them to recognize that I'm grown up. (laughs) Uh, But but this was right in their backyard, so so that worked out well that way. And it was just an amazing project. General Mills had purchased Pillsbury, and uh, they had been secret they had kept secrets from each other when they were competing
0: Interesting. Uh, you know
1: Betty Crocker cake mix versus a Pillsbury cake mix they had they were a competition to each other and now they were all under the same umbrella instead of having secret kitchens with curtains coming across the windows so nobody could see what you were doing there were to be no walls and no wall <laughs> cabinets so and there were the home economists from both um, companies My first job was to spend, I don't know how long, I don't know, three, four days, eight hours a day interviewing them individually to find out what their feelings were, to try to get them to buy into the fact that there were not to be walls anymore, that they would be looking at each other's work. So that was interesting, that part of it. And then the fact that I had to design these spaces, we had walls where we could put refrigeration and we could elevate some ovens, but we couldn't go above 54 inches with anything. So it was a it was a wonderful and unique experience from a design standpoint and also from a personal standpoint. really some kind of interesting things happened there.
0: It's almost like you had to bring together two totally up till this point separate groups of people
1: <laughs> I, not almost is exactly what we did and <laughs> and in a unique space, you know there were about two dozen kitchens all together in this excuse me in this testing area, and uh, it was it was just was a great project took us a long time and was very involved and and unique in the way that they used the space the same equipment and stuff that we typically put into a kitchen but in such a unique way you know right it was really a fun project
0: that's a great example of how designing is certainly less about what goes into the kitchen and more of who is supposed to go into the kitchen
1: oh is that well said that was a good yeah i totally agree with you that was great
0: <laughs> well thank you i thought it was rather clever <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you like me to interview you know i can you know i can ask you some questions
0: perfect oh boy before you get me going too much uh <laughs> i yeah. think that's all the time we have for today i've really appreciated this conversation mary joe
1: I enjoyed it. It was fun to talk to you, Autumn, and good luck with the blog.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into our very first episode. I'm really looking forward to getting to know so many more designers and industry pros in the future. And I really hope you'll all be along for the ride. So from all of us at KBD Radio and Kitchen and Bath Design News, have a successful week. KBD Radio is hosted and produced by Autumn McGar with music by David Ayala. For more information about kitchen and bath design news, please visit our website at kitchenbathdesign.com.